The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. James Madera, the AMA's CEO in Chicago, to discuss the AMA's 175th anniversary and its recovery plan for America's physicians. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Madera, 175 years, that is a, a pretty impressive accomplishment for any company or any organization, um, but it's a particularly proud moment for the AMA. Why, why is that the case? Well, you know, let me just use the words that you used, you know, impressive for any company. Uh, and put this in perspective. You know, the Dow Jones Industrial Index is of all the major companies, uh, the largest companies um, aggregated for the largest impact in the various fields. Uh, the Dow Jones started 50 years after the AMA. Not a single company that was on the original Dow Jones is currently on the Dow Jones. So by that measure, the remarkable staying power that the AMA had uh, has uh, is, is really punched out. And, and we started 50 years before that. Um, and a lot has happened in that 175 years. Uh, you know, in one, in one area of technology, we're just in a very different place right now. Uh, anesthesia had just been discovered as we were being formed. There were no antibiotics for another approximate 75 years. Um, you know, no mechanical things like robotic surgery, obviously. So the field has markedly changed, but some things have remained kind of constant. Uh, you know, in 1847, the relationship between a physician and a patient was really important. And the same holds true today. Uh, medicine is a really personal, deeply personal issue. Uh, and throughout this remarkable journey of 175 years, we've remained the strong voice for American physicians. Well, it's, it's very interesting to, you know, you think about all of the, that transformation that's occurred over what is approaching 200 years. Uh, when you think about why the AMA was founded in the first place, um, you know, are those core principles still relevant today? I, I think the key word for our founding was rampant quackery uh, that exists <laughs> in our country at the time. And, you know, medicine in the United States in the mid 1800s was behind that in Germany, England, uh, Italy, France. Um, and so we had a lot of work to do to catch up. You know, there was no certification, uh, no educational standards. So the first things that the AMA did, the first two products were standards for medical education uh, and also the code of medical ethics to get this field into a, a better position. Now that has served us really well because we look now 175 years later the last two years during the pandemic, um, there was a lot of quackery. Uh, you know, there were drugs that were promoted that had no effect, and in some instances were dangerous. Um, there was, uh, you know, sort of a lack of a, of a 
strong voice if, if the AMA had been absent uh, to really think about medical education in a really rigorous way and how do you apply that at a time of a pandemic and how do you deal with the misinformation simultaneously. Uh, so those core principles from 1847 uh, have been used throughout the history of the AMA and were particularly important during the recent pandemic. Yeah, it's amazing to see how a mission uh, can stay relevant, stand the test of time, adapt, as you say, to uh, new challenges as they come. How, you know, when you think about the mission of this organization, how does that uh, continue to drive the work and adapt uh, to where we are? Yeah, um, I'll tell you the mission to promote the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health is why I'm here. Uh, that mission was uh, really appealing to me. And we think of that, we can think of that mission in two parts, you know, promote the art and science of medicine. Uh, and, you know, the goal is really in thinking through that is how do we take the $4 trillion that we spend on healthcare in this country uh, and then in the context of 800,000 physicians, 330 million Americans, 4 million nurses, you know, 5,500 hospitals, how do we as physician leaders deploy all that for the best health outcomes of our population? Uh, so a really broad-based thought when you think in the beginning of our mission statement. And then, you know, the betterment of public health uh, is also incredibly important. You know, and we've, uh, to throughout our history, have uh, voiced strong statements against dangerous and unproved therapies. We've promoted childhood vaccines uh, when they were created. Uh, we argued strongly and successfully for uh, requirements of seat belts and automobiles. Uh, argued successfully uh, against the tobacco uh, industry, uh, all of which were incredible uh, to improving public health in this country. Um, you know, the other thing that stands out is a, a newborn in 1847 uh, had a expected lifetime of under 40 years old. And now ours, although variable among populations because of problems with health equity, uh, overall, we're about twice that. We're about eight, almost 80 years old. Uh, and that's a remarkable achievement in 175 years. Now, you know, when you think about looking forward, especially when circumstances like life expectancy have changed and technology, all these things you, you outlined earlier, when you think about kind of the work going forward, how do you, how do you translate that, that mission into the challenges that the, the future offers now? Well, um, you know, since around 2012, we've had a long-term strategic plan a framework up for a long-term strategic plan that we revisit every year. Um, we have a sort of a rolling five-year thinking about this plan, but also think beyond that, uh, where will we be in a quarter of a century? And what we've done based on the, our House of Delegates uh, policies uh, are select things that relate to a lot of policies 
that you could characterize as being pre-competitive. And what I mean by that is any health system that exists in 2047, you know, mid-century. Um, if you don't have these three things somewhat figured out, it's not going to go very well. So it's needed for whatever health system we have. Uh, and, you know, those things are to remove the obstacles that interfere with physician-patient interactions, you know, to drive the future of medicine through enhancing medical education, educating for the 21st century, not the 20th century. And recognizing that in the last 50 years, the disease burden has shifted in our country uh, from episodic disease to chronic disease. And that chronic disease is now 85, 90% of that $4 trillion spend, and we get more and more chronic disease, and this pandemic is producing yet another origin of chronic disease. So unless we get these three things, uh, make progress in these three areas, uh, no matter what health system we have, uh, it will suffer due to the absence of progress in these three things. And then we've also uh, identified accelerators that touch all three. Um, one of those is the advocacy that we do to memorialize the progress that we make through uh, regulation or legislation. Another is the innovation uh, that's done in all these areas. And the third and most recent is health equity. Um, we know that there are great inequities in our society uh, and the pandemic really punched those out in a really significant way. Um, and I would say almost an embarrassing way for a country as rich as we are. So through all these things, uh, you know, we are the powerful ally to physicians in their care of their patients. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash Moving Medicine. Well, uh, the past couple of years has certainly uh, thrown us quite a challenge uh, in doing that, uh, taking a huge toll on this nation and in particular on this nation's physicians. Uh, there was an article recently uh, uh, published by the Mayo Clinic that told us that one in five physicians plans to leave the profession within the next two years and a lot more plan to reduce the hours they work. Um, we've seen this uh, headlines across the, uh, the country about the great resignation uh, uh, for non-physicians, but what are, we, what are we looking at here in medicine in particular? Yeah, well, I, I would pause just to go back to the beginning of the pandemic and what was the state then? Um, we know through work that has been done in our uh, professional satisfaction unit that work with uh, RAND, multi-market work, demonstrated that, you know, what satisfies physicians is FaceTime with patients, sort of one, two, and three. And the dissatisfiers are all the things that get in the way of that. And then we did a time motion study, multiple markets, and found that for almost every hour that a physician is face to face with a patient, there are two hours of administrative load. So that's where we were at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, you know, that 
kind of feature that that creates burnout. And then we layer the pandemic on top of that in the beginning. And it's just been uh, a real challenge uh, for physicians in this country. And you think of them at various levels. You know, if you're a medical student, uh, you've had two years of a disrupted training uh, and a four-year program. You know, if you're a resident, you may have imagined uh, becoming an expert in gastrointestinal surgery, but what you're now expert in is COVIDology. Uh, and if you're a, a physician in practice, uh, practices were severely disrupted. So what we know about physicians is that's not a resilience issue. Uh, in fact, physicians are more resilient uh, than the re remainder of the non-physician uh, population. But it's the dysfunction that surrounds the physician uh, that brings this toll. And then adding to that toll, I've already alluded to it, is you know, the disease burden uh, that is asymmetrically carried uh, by uh, the historically marginalized uh, populations. Um, it's interesting that Johns Hopkins did an international study of what country would best handle a pandemic. And that happened to be published at the end of 2019, just before the pandemic, over 100 countries. And the United States was number one. And yet when the pandemic hit, we were at the bottom in terms of report performance. So if we look at the 30 plus factors that they ranked, where were things that were low? Um, and one was in access and, and, and the related inequities. Uh, that showed to be really important. You know, another was in the not completely stable nature of our political system. Uh, again, uh, these two or three things that were low were actually the drivers that took us from a prediction of number one performance to a, a really poor performance. When you think about, uh, you know, what you're saying, basically, like so many things uh, that were already kind of broken and, and, and very, very strained before the pandemic were really crushed by a lot of the issues that popped up uh, uh, with the pandemic. I mean, who would have thought we would be in a situation where we saw such significant uh, shortages around PPE and then uh, complications around polarization, politicization um, of, of issues around misinformation, uh, just the extreme amounts of uh, trauma and death that physicians were facing. It's, it's incredible what uh, uh, physicians have done to help this nation recover. How is the AMA at this point uh, kind of turning that around and helping physicians um, recover from what they've been uh, through over the past two years? Well, what you've alluded to is exactly right. There are a lot of problems that are binging on physicians. And so there is a laundry list of things that needed to be done. Um, first of all, the support of practices uh, during this extreme time, which required uh, billions of dollars in emergency funding um, to prevent further Medicare cuts uh, that were really hurting physicians. You know, Medicare reimbursement, although it's um, increased for hospitals, uh, as an example, over the last 10 years, 
has remained flat, which is in real terms downward uh, for physicians. Uh, we needed, you know, telehealth and telemedicine coverage. Uh, we got that, and that was incredibly remarkable. Uh, you know, an entrepreneur would say that if I'm going to have a, a venture, a new company that is really impactful, I want to get a 10x result. Well, from January of 2020 to May of 2020, the increase in utilization of telehealth wasn't 10x, and it wasn't 30x, it was more like 100x. Mm. Uh, it was really, truly remarkable, and we can't let that slip out of our fingers now. And then combating uh, misinformation, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, a lot of, of false information um, that was amplified many times through social media, uh, and there had to be a voice of medicine and science uh, around that, and I think we supplied uh, a strong element of that in our own messaging. You know, one of the uh, things that in talking to a person who studies communication and science, um, one of the things that they met, the point they made to me is when you're talking about the best practices in health and science should be done by physicians and scientists. And as soon as the voice behind the podium is a politician, and it doesn't matter what party they're from or whether they're inaccurate or accurate, you've politicized uh, the message. And that's something that we had to uh, fight through as well. And now after physicians have gone through um, this heroic event on their part of the last two years, it's probably time we think of a recovery plan for American physicians that would of course, benefit American physicians, but also benefit the patients they care for. What is, what is a recovery plan uh, for America's physicians look like? Well, a lot of it deals with um, support uh, for practices and also getting rid of administrative tasks that take away that face-to-face -face time uh, with patients. So a lot of administrative burdens uh, one is prior authorization, um, you, you know, and you, you see that really in, in a large, remarkable form right now. Um, a third of American physicians surveyed report a serious negative consequence to patients in their practice due to prior authorization. And basically all physicians recognize the administrative, the brutal administrative load. Um, and, you know, one form of this is what is called step therapy. So a health plan will say that, you know, we recognize that in the instance of this disease, there are three drugs that could be given and we want them given in, in this order. A, uh, and only go to B if A fails, and only go to C if B fails, and a lot of that has to do with uh, finance, finances. And so you're on a drug, you're on C, um, you've gone through A and B, uh, and now it's time for, it's November and you know time to re-up your plan. And either your employer or your plan changes, 
and you're told prior authorization, step therapy. You have to go back to these drugs that you know don't work. Um, and then if you look at prior authorization writ large, uh, an average physician has something like 30 plus, 34 of these a week. It takes that physician, him or her, or people on their staff, um, basically two full days, 16 hours uh, to work through. And, and most of the time, everything is let go uh, to, to move forward. So that that is um, uh, part of the recovery plan. Are elements like that that uh, really drive physicians crazy, utilize time, and are deleterious to patients, and interfere with that face time that physicians have and they need. Uh, you know, we need to keep this extended telehealth effort. Uh, so that the flexibilities don't go away. Um, that there are some things, you know, geographic restrictions, for example, uh, prior to the uh, pandemic. And, you know, we need to uh, address physician burnout. Um, that's really important. And it's really, as you pointed out, limiting our physicians from you know, thinking about their, the length of their own careers. Um, and then lastly, things like promoting physician-led teams, uh, making sure the physician voice as leadership of the healthcare team uh, remains as such. So all of these are really important agenda items in a recovery plan for American physicians uh, after they've gone through the ringer. Uh, mention one thing about going through the ringer and uh, in I think it was uh, April or May of 2020 during the height of the pandemic initial pandemic in New York City I talked to a head of a emergency uh, department in the, of a hospital in the Bronx and they had 15 bays in that emergency department but they had 85 gurneys occupied by patients uh, so this is the sort of extreme pressure that physicians and other health providers were under uh, over this period of the last couple of years. It is remarkable when, uh, you know, when I listen, you talk about a legacy, a 175-year legacy, and you think about the achievements on, uh, uh, throughout that process, uh, but then even more so when we look at it through the lens of the last two years, knowing uh, the issues that we stepped into this pandemic with uh, and what the AMA was able to achieve uh, for physicians, for patients over the last two years, uh, you know, particularly around uh, uh, emergency funding, uh, preventing Medicare cuts, uh, securing uh, you know, coverage for telehealth, which expanded so greatly, like you, you talked about, and then the role in stepping up, like you know, only an organization like this can uh, to fight misinformation. But um, I hear your point uh, that we've got a lot of work to do, uh, and this recovery plan for America's physicians, uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about. Uh, but key focuses on those, those those obstacles like prior authorization, and key issues like Medicare payment, telehealth reimbursement. Uh, and physician wellness. Uh, so a lot of work to uh, be done in the aftermath of this pandemic to take care of America's doctors. Thank you so much, Dr. Madera, for
for joining us today. That wraps up uh, today's episode. We'll be back soon with another Moving Medicine video and podcast. You can find all of them at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.